welcome to Red Pill Revolution. My name is Austin Adams. Red Pill Revolution started out with me realizing everything that I knew, everything that I believed, everything I interpret about my life is through the lens of the information I was spoon-fed as a child. Religion, politics, history, conspiracies, Hollywood, medicine, money, food, all of it. Everything we know was tactfully written to influence your decisions and your view on reality by those in power. Now, I'm on a mission to retrain and re-educate myself to find the true reality of what is behind that curtain, and I'm taking your ass with me. Welcome to the revolution. Hello and welcome to Red Pill Revolution. My name is Austin Adams and thank you so much for joining me today. This is episode number 25 of the Red Pill Revolution podcast and uh, we have some very interesting stuff to get into today. The things that we're going to touch today are going to range anything from Joe Biden being directed by the Easter Bunny himself. (laughs) Yeah, you heard that right. And then we're going to talk about the dropped, recently dropped federal mandate surrounding masks, which is a big win for freedom now that our oppressors have allowed us not to have our face covered all of the time if we want to have the privilege of going somewhere across this great nation. We're also going to touch on where the situation's at currently with Elon Musk and Twitter. We're going to talk about the 40% increase in overall death in the ages of 19 to 40 years old. I really can't begin to fathom the implications of that, but I'm sure we all can conclude maybe potentially why. There's been a 40% increase in overall death in the ages of 19. Just in the last two years, and this is a life insurance study, we're also going to discuss briefly the Watch the Water documentary, which was also quite deep and concerning. And I have some questions. I have some reservations. I have some observations that we will talk about during that as well. And then... We're also going to discuss briefly the Netflix situation with Netflix dropping basically 30% overnight, which a lot of people are attributing to the woke agenda by Netflix themselves. So all of that and more today. But the first thing I need you to do is go ahead and hit that subscribe button. It takes just a second of your day and it means the world to me. Every day, every day, we try and think of ways that we can give back to the world and get, give good karma, get good karma back. And, and, and one way you can do that is by doing good things for others. And you can do something great for me right now that will come back around to you. I know it by just hitting that subscribe button for me. I would appreciate it so much. I work very hard on this and uh, it means the world to me that you're even listening, let alone considering subscribing. So go ahead and click that button right now. It takes two seconds out of your day, uh, makes uh, a huge difference in your universal karma. (laughs) Press that button right now. And if you could also leave a five-star review, I would appreciate it a lot. Uh, That helps us basically get higher on the ratings pages. Um, It also tells me that what I'm doing is valuable to you. If you can take just a minute to, you know, click that five-star button and even better, uh, go ahead and read a write a review up there for me tell me what i'm doing great 
Tell me the most ridiculous thing that you've ever learned from this podcast. One of the maybe uh, crazier things that you've learned by going through these episodes. Um, I would love to hear about it. Go ahead and leave a review right now. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, wherever the hell you're at. Uh, go ahead and do that for me. Now, let's go ahead and jump into this first topic, which is going to be the Easter Bunny himself. Now being in a better position to manage our country than our own president. <laughs> it was Easter weekend and... Uh, on, on Sunday, Joe Biden went and spoke in front of a group of people and was basically ushered around by what seemed to be a possibly like a secret service agent or I don't know who it was, but there's some funny thoughts on that. So let's go ahead. I'll walk you through the video here if you're listening and we'll talk about it after. What you're going to see here is going to be Joe Biden on this fence talking to some nice people and beginning to answer questions while the, the Easter Bunny basically runs in front of him waves his arms in front of the president of the United States like he's uh, a toddler who is about to jump off of a cliff so that he doesn't answer this individual's questions. Then uh, I, I want to see that again. Let's see if we can get that back. So it, it was really funny to me. I think my favorite viewpoint on this was the idea that it was not the Easter Bunny that was doing this. It was actually... Barack Obama hidden in the Easter Bunny costume. <laughs> you know how there's all these conspiracies around how Barack Obama is in his third term. Just like he said he would do, by the way, which is eerie and weird that he mentioned that he would, if, if I could have my way, he said. I don't have a very good Barack Obama impression. If I could have my way, I would have a third term. And in my third term, I would just uh, have somebody else that pretended to be there for me. I'll have to find the clip to get the exact, to the exact information that he said there and maybe improve my Barack Obama <laughs> voiceover. But it's a hilarious idea that Barack Obama himself dressed up as the Easter Bunny to usher the president of the United States around and eliminate him from actually answering questions from the general population that he should answer to technically. But who am I? Just a guy. Right. So the next thing that we're going to touch on is going to be the mask mandate. And this is pretty it's pretty awesome. And it's pretty sad that it's awesome, I think, is, is the best way to put it. When your oppressor loosens the handcuffs, I, I think is the best analogy for this. I'm sure there's a better one, but I think that's the best one I have on the, off the cuff right now. <laughs> oh, off the cuff. Good one there. Um, so off the cuff, the best one I have is based on handcuffs. And, but I think it is, it's like they, they, they backed us into this position where you literally were masking toddlers. You were, you were force forcing toddlers, three-year-olds, three-year-olds to, to wear masks and, and have to be put in a situation where they're uncomfortable for hours on end with no scientific backing for the reason why at all, at all, not a single reason, not a single reason that a toddler should be wearing a mask and you force them to do. There's many people like my family. I have children, um, who we just didn't travel on a plane. We weren't going to do that. I would never put my, th my three, two, whatever year old in a position where they have to wear a mask like that, because I just think it's wrong. I think that it positions you in a place where you're going to end up in some, at least for me, I know I would end up in some sort of conflict if somebody tried to force that upon my child. And it's just unbelievable to me that we have such Stockholm syndrome that when they loosened our cuffs and allowed us to not have to wear a piece of cloth over our face that we know did literally nothing, um, all of a sudden it's a big party, right? You see all the videos of the, the pilots coming on over the loudspeakers. If, you're, if you know the pilots, that this was coming though. It's like a pilot's personality is, is a little uh, interesting. I was air traffic control in the Air Force, so similar, similar type of atmosphere there. But 
but the the pilots that were coming on were just like kind of excited to go over the loudspeaker and uh, excuse me just to let you guys know the tsa has now told us that you no longer have to wear masks and yeah enjoy your flight wins 170 it's uh it's uh it's pretty cool to see that everybody is is celebrating this i haven't really seen very many negative videos surrounding this which you saw like flight attendants walking down and dancing and and singing music and like trying to get people to throw their masks away (laughs) it's it's pretty it's it's cool but like i said it's almost concerning that it's cool because it, it should have never been so in the first place right there's no reason that should have ever should have been implemented. It was unlawful. And hopefully, you know, I had somebody comment about kind of like, what, what, where could we go legally from here? I think that's an interesting conversation that we kind of have to have is because if, if there was a, if there is some sort of legal recourse, if you were kicked off of a plane or put on a no-fly list or, or forced to wear a mask while you had, that's one thing that bothered me is like, even the medical exemptions, right? Like now there's people who are going to take advantage of that, but there's always going to be people who take advantage of things. Just because there's people who take advantage of things does not mean that you don't have to submit to them based on the America's American Disability Act, right? Like just, just because there's going to be a small few who, who take advantage of that. And maybe it's not a small few, but fuck you. I don't have to wear a mask anyways, right? Like, and, and how do you know? How can, PIPA laws don't even allow you to know my medical history, right? So there was people who were being shut out, people who were being not allowed on flights because they wouldn't wear a mask because they wouldn't violate HIPAA laws and tell a stewardess about their anxiety disorder or about their breathing, COPD, and all of these things that would affect them negatively to have to wear a mask. There's literally no reason that we should have been in this situation to begin with. And, and it's so frustrating being a parent, knowing that for three years almost, we weren't able to travel that way because of some unlawful mandate given out by the, the, the powers that be, the CDC and the TSA and the, the whatever bullshit acronym you want to give some, some power to. It's just so frustrating. So I think it's cool. I think it's awesome. Let's go ahead and watch this video about the mask mandate so we can get a little bit more details on it. Then we'll discuss it again real, real briefly here. Here it is. Out of Florida, where a federal judge has just overturned the CDC's national mask mandate for planes and other forms of public transportation. Joining me now is NBC News Justice correspondent Pete Williams. So, Pete, um, will this does this mean that everyone can take their mask off inside a plane or is there another step? Well, that's what the judge says. We're waiting to hear what the Centers for Disease Control, TSA, and the FAA say. I doubt that planes in flight, for example, know about this or that most airlines are even quite aware of what they're supposed to do now. No comment yet from the Justice Department about what it will do, although I suspect that the government will seek a stay of this judge's order. So this is a federal judge in Tampa, Florida, who has ruled in a lawsuit brought by a group called the Health Freedom Defense Fund, and two women who said that they didn't like wearing masks on a plane. One of them said that her anxiety was aggravated by having to wear a a face mask, and the other said the mask constricted breathing and provoked or exacerbated her panic attacks. And the judge has said two things here, that the Centers for Disease Control did not have the authority to issue this mask under the law that set up the CDC. And secondly, that the federal government failed to go through all the necessary steps in making a rule like this and seeking public comment. 
Now, the judge said normally speaking in a case like this, uh, she would issue a ruling in favor only of the parties to the lawsuit. In other words, would not apply only to them. But the judge, who is uh, Catherine Kimball Mazel of Tampa, said uh, that's not possible, that it would be hard to distinguish them from others. And then she says, if, if she were to try to limit it, how is the ride-sharing driver, the flight attendant, or the bus driver to know that somebody was a plaintiff to this lawsuit with permission to enter mask-free? That just wouldn't work. So she has declared the mask mandate illegal. She has struck it down. Now, as I say, I don't know what the government's going to do about this. I would, see, I would think they'd seek a stay of her ruling. This was the mask mandate, of course, as you mentioned, applied to airplanes, trains, buses, other kinds of mass transit. And in the case of airplanes, it's been extended several times yeah. because the government has said that it's been effective in helping to prevent the spread of COVID. But we just don't know what the federal government is going to do here. I would certainly guess they'll try to put a stop to this and get, and get a stay while this uh, is appealed. Pete, two years into the pandemic, though, with this mask mandate that has been in place for so long, why the lawsuit now? Why would it get overturned now? Well, the lawsuit was actually filed last year. It was Mm. filed last July. So it's been going through grinding uh, its way through the court in in, in this before this judge, who, by the way, issued this uh, decision without a trial on summary judgment based only on the arguments that were made in the written briefs. I think that may be another cause of concern here. This this is going to be a very controversial ruling. It's going to be a victory for people who have hated the mask mandates, but the government seems to believe that they are effective. And All right, so that's enough of that guy. So the, the, the point of it is it was struck down by a federal judge. They've gotten some heat for it. And what's even more interesting is that the White House is now coming back in uh, in saying that they're going to fight this, like Biden's now saying that he's going to uh, push for this to be appealed and and see if he can get this changed back, right? So they what it was is they came back out and said we're gonna we need two more weeks, right? They extended this two more weeks, and then within those two weeks that they were extending it from the White House's perspective, uh, this federal judge struck this down as a response to a, a group, the Freedom Something. You heard it in that video, who basically put in a lawsuit saying that this is an unlawful mandate. Um, it is not constitutional. And the judge agreed with. So now where we're at is basically that the Biden administration is now saying that they're even going to go back and fight this now, even, even on an, especially one thing people have pointed out is that it's not an election year, right? Where, where his approval rating is so low already. And now he's going to go against what majority of people believe should, should be the case and make a big push against people's right to their own body. So it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. I think if anything else, it's good for the Republicans that this is even a conversation again, because it's going to look really bad on Biden if he makes this push to eliminate or or make mass mandated again beyond what the federal government or judge ruled, which is seemingly shouldn't be his place, right? I mean, if they make a ruling that's based off of the Constitution, not based off of the opinion of the woke mob which I think is an important distinction. However, one that we don't seem to have our politicians make very often. Now, the next conversation we're going to have is surrounding Elon Musk and Twitter. So it's, it's been a, a tough week for Elon Musk. <laughs> I mean, never. I wonder if, I bet you every week's actually tough for him. 
seems like it wouldn't be with how rich he is, but uh, I'm sure he, he has more responsibility and more weight on his shoulders than any of us can even imagine. I digress. What, what I think it is going on here is, is basically Twitter did something where they basically purged their shares, where they put out a big pump of, or, or going to, I, I don't know the exact case of it, but they're going to put out a bunch of new shares to dilute the overall value, which again is, is leading them into a position where they could be given a lawsuit by their shareholders because they're not uh, accomplishing their fiduciary responsibility, which basically means that they have a responsibility to their shareholders to do what's in the best interest of the company and to them. And, and they're obviously not doing that when somebody offers far above what it was worth two weeks ago to buy the entirety of the company. And, and for the purpose specifically of the reason of not of wanting to give the... And Elon's like, is Elon, Elon even the right? Has he ever come out and said he's a Republican? Like, why is this, why is this so crazy that, that an, a billionaire wants to buy a social media outlet, right? Like, like people were showing that... Uh, I think it was Bloomberg, like came out with articles like raving, raving about how about how Jeff Bezos bought the Washington Post and, and how it was great for democracy and how a mark for the entrepreneurs of the world that they get a say in the political sphere and uh, this whole thing. Right. And, and, and now the second that Elon Musk, another billionaire, says that he wants to jump into the conversation around social media because he feels like the freedom of speech hindrance is being taken too far right between these companies which uh, again i agree with fully as i sit here completely shadow banned on instagram it will be one month to the day where i lost my entire instagram platform tomorrow so we'll see if the 30-day mark allows that shadow ban to fall off and i hope it does because i found some new awesome ways to do some videos and do a lot more content for you guys so look out for that if you don't follow our instagram it's at red pill revolt on Instagram. You can also check our new website. I made a, I made a website over the last couple of weeks uh, trying to get off of these platforms a little bit and, and have a place for you guys to go that's not specifically based on somebody allowing me to be there. So I built a website. It's redpillrevolution.co. Um, redpillrevolution.co. And eventually I'll probably get the dot com. <laughs> I'm waiting on uh, some response from. So, anyways, I digress. Again, I'm digressing a lot. Yeah, go check out the website, redpillrevolution.co, which is kind of cool. Yeah, anyways, let's move on. Elon Musk is trying to buy Twitter. They are diluting the shares, and they're trying to stop him from doing so. So here's a video on that. I believe it's from The Hill, and we'll go ahead and watch that right now. And then again, we'll discuss it. Robbie, what's on your radar? Well, Elon Musk offered to buy the entirety of Twitter, turn it into a private company, and correct what he feels is a waning commitment to the principles of free and open speech has drawn both praise and criticism. So many people who share Elon's dissatisfaction with the platform, including Republicans and conservatives who think it discriminates against... Oops. Robbie, what's on your radar? <laughs> Sorry, guys. Well, Elon so Musk here it goes again. Let me, let me go ahead and I'll Twitter, turn it into a private company, see if and correct what he it, feels so is a waning commitment to the to principles we of free and open Every indication that it sides with the traditional gatekeepers of information and is inclined to fend off Musk's bid. So the company adopted a poison pill approach late last week. This is a well-known corporate tactic intended to thwart a potential buyer. So in this specific case, Twitter would flood the market with additional shares available for sale if Musk's stake in the company reaches 15%. Effectively, Twitter plans to dilute his stake, making it much harder for him to reach the 51% 
threshold. And if Twitter is ultimately interested in Musk's offer, well, this gives them more time to consider it and time as well to look for other potential buyers. So we have a pretty good idea what the board of Twitter wants. It wants to hold onto its power. Their offer to make Musk a member of the board was probably one born of a desire to control and quiet him. As a board member, he would have an obligation to the company not to disparage it publicly. And thus, he would no longer be able to tweet his thoughts about ways in which Twitter should be different. But that brings him to the real subject of this radar. What exactly does Elon Musk want to change about Twitter? If we know that, then we don't have to get into the thornier questions of which group of people do you like better? Which governance structure do you think is preferable? Instead, we can just quite literally evaluate the individual ideas for improving the platform. Now, fortunately, Musk has gone in an interview late last week. Let's watch. Well, I think it's very important for there to be an inclusive arena for free speech, where all, yeah, so, uh, yeah. Um, Twitter has become kind of the de facto town square. It, it's just really important that people have the, both the, the reality and the perception that they are able to speak freely within the bounds of the law. And, you know, so one of the things that I believe Twitter should do is open source the algorithm and make any changes uh, to people's tweets. If they're emphasized or de-emphasized, that action should be made apparent so you can, anyone can see that that action has been taken. So there's, there's no sort of behind-the-scenes um, manipulation, either algorithmically or manually. Later on in that interview, Musk articulated support for a feature many people have demanded, a Twitter edit button, so you could alter a tweet after you send it. Facebook has this function, so it's workable in some sense. There's a little note that appears showing that you edited it. Musk also talked about removing ads for premium subscribers, providing other perks for those willing to pay more. He also wants to eliminate spam and scam bots, and he's even given some indication he thinks some tweets should be longer, should not be bound by the character count. Now, in my view, many of these ideas, they have merit. More transparency would be a massive improvement. It's critical for the people to know why and how the platform decides to reward and punish certain tweets. So the ultimate goal should be to devolve content moderation to users. Instead of Twitter deciding for you what it thinks you ought to see, what it thinks is dangerous, or what it thinks is true. Or so one thing that I think is interesting about that is, is the approach that Elon's talked about, where, where he basically says that he believes that it is absolutely necessary to the survival of humanity that there is freedom of speech and, and the survival of democracy, right? That's a very fair statement to make. I, I think that Elon Musk is like literally the, the, <laughs> the, the, if there was like a legitimate real world Iron Man, <laughs> I think, I think it's Elon Musk. It's, it's, it's great to see that there is somebody who represents the general public, somebody who is, is in our corner, at least feels like they are. And maybe that's a reason to question him. I, I've seen some people say that Elon Musk is like a shill or whatever. <laughs> and I, I do think that it is a, a an interesting conversation to be had around any time there is somebody. But I also think it's like to the conditioning of, of where we're at as a society where we just can't trust anybody, even when they're willing to spend $41 billion in the, in the pursuit of the freedom of speech and truth. I think that's a fair buy-in of your trust. Like if he's willing to spend a fair amount of, of the entire world's fortune on 
ensuring that you have the right to talk shit on Twitter about everything that you want to. I think that's a fair buy-in of my trust. To me, I, I don't have very many suspicions of Elon Musk. I think that he's shown fairly clearly that he has, at least in most cases, the general population's best interest in mind. Maybe not when it comes to Neuralink or putting microchips in people's brains, but if we were going to have somebody who does it, I would rather it be him than Bill Gates. So there's that. <laughs> so I, I hope that this goes through. I really do. And, and, and if not, it's going to be a really sad day for the freedom of speech. And another another blocking of, of, of the ability for us to speak out. And if you recall what happened with Parler, right? I think that we need to revisit that. We need to look back on what our oppressors did to us just a year or two, two years ago, a year and a half ago now, where they completely deplatformed Parler at every stage um, along the way from the deplatforming of them not allowing basically Amazon, their servers even pulled away from them. The app store made it so you couldn't get on there after a certain amount of time after a certain amount of users signed on because they were so afraid of what was going to come if you were able to speak out against their hypocrisy and in, in, in their deceitful ways, right? So it's, it's, we're seeing it again, right? Twitter and, and the powers that be, BlackRock, Vanguard, whoever it is, I think it's, I think it's Vanguard, maybe BlackRock, that owns a, or, or owns a very large percentage of Twitter that just bought more shares in order to be the primary stakeholder. I don't know if that's led to a bid war of any type recently with Elon Musk, but we have seen that Elon Musk said that he would be coming out with a counter response to what is going on here within like 10 days. Time will tell. We'll see. Is Elon Musk going to be able to take over Twitter? I hope so. Now, I'm not a big Twitter. I don't even have a Twitter. If Elon Musk gets on there and, and owns it, I think I would just have to because you kind of have to support that. I, I'm not a huge fan of like the short form text content. I just think it's boring and I like shooting videos and maybe I'll find a use case for that on Twitter. But as of right now, I do not have a Twitter, but if Elon Musk owns Twitter, I'm definitely going to go get on Twitter. <laughs> I think it's just, just to show my support there. So I, I really do hope that Elon Musk is able to take over a Twitter. I, I think that it would be not only a good day for democracy, but also it would check the check those who believe they're so protected in their positions of the ministry of truth like the 1984 orwellian belief system that they have their best your best interest in mind and you're too stupid to think for yourself and there's no way freedom of speech of all these heathens out there who disagree with me on these topics should be able to actually express their opinions right like the the justin trudeau there's a small fringe minority who has uh, opposing opinions and they are expressing them. <laughs> uh, they're, they're so scared, right? And, and again, as I said last, last time, it just shows you how weak their arguments are and how, how, how weak they are and, and how scared they are of, of just words, right? And, and they're scared of you having a platform to, to talk about them truthfully and not be able to silence you as a result, and so it, it will be a great day if that follows through. Now, now here's one that I think is, is going to be a, a, an interesting side of it. So it's like the, the, the other reason that Twitter wants this platform is because then they can point the laser pointer, right? Like if, if it's like the, we went from the, the, I got jabbed Facebook 
overlay on your picture to the Ukrainian flag next to it. Like when, when Instagram or, or Twitter or whoever it is just points a laser pointer at, at the next woke idea, <laughs> the, 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 the liberal infestation licks their, their, their paws and then just scurries after the next thing that they can identify with and, and feel like they're better than everybody else. And so it, it's not just silencing opinions. It's, it's, directing uh thought from their party and eliminating thoughts from yours and assuming that you're on the side of not the side of the woke mob of twitter maybe you are and if you're listening to this kudos to you for listening to an alternate opinion than what you normally would but i highly doubt it but if you are thanks i appreciate it i'm, I'm always happy to to have hear the other side of things and would, would always be open for a conversation but anyways, I, I do think it's important and I do think it's important that not only do we allow the human, the human brain, like the human organism as a whole to, I, I just think that when, when left be the human organism, the human mind, the human hive generally moves towards goodness, right? There is a small fringe minority and those, that small fringe minority is the ones that are directing our consciousness towards these negative environments and these negative conversations and these terrible things for our children and in these the the it, it just there's there's a small group that is trying to effect effectively taint the water of human consciousness and and they're so scared of you taking away their ability to do that and and to allow the human hive mind to to point it's 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 almost like a religious conversation i, I had somebody comment that because i asked a question I posed it in one of my the last episodes, which is like, what what is that, right? Like, what what is the human uh, need for truth, right? What what is inside of us that makes us want to to speak out when we hear uh, things that are being said that are not true? That that we see these deceitful individuals in positions of power trying to control the masses. What is that drive? Like, it, it has to. It's not a. It's not an animalistic drive, right? It's not. There's not monkeys who are like shouting from the mountaintops that. The other monkeys are uh, lying to the masses. Like it's it's a consciousness. It's a second layer. It's a, a prefrontal cortex issue, and we we have to explore it from the sense that there there is humans when left to themselves are generally good, but when directed by by those who are who are insistent upon tainting the water and, and that's an interesting analogy to use with what we're going to watch here in a few minutes with the watch the water documentary but it, when, when you take away their ability to taint the water they're so afraid of that human hive mind going towards goodness right going towards positivity and and, and realizing that we're all just literally uh, a sliver of the same divinity like to take the words of marcus aurelius like we are all cut from the same cloth we are there, there's so many different analogies that you can use, but we are all that same sliver of divinity. And, and we have just been thrust into different bodies and in different family situations and in different uh, households with different parents and different upbringings. And, and, but, but at the end of the day, we are the same thing, right? We are the same. We, we are human. We are, the, we are a part of this individualistic like, uh, perception of a greater hive mind of consciousness. And, and if you look at life from that perspective, you start to view the people who are on the other side as just like you, right? Like, like, yeah, I, the way that I view, like when people are so t like 
involved in the mask stuff and so involved in like everybody should get vaccinated. It's like they are the victims more than you or I. They were they've been taken advantage of. They they're the ones who were naive enough to believe these these lies. And so you shouldn't demonize the individual. They are just you in a different position and but they're just more agreeable potentially or they're just more naive or, or they're just more willing to be manipulated by these people or they gave them more credit than they should have and now they've been deceived into a point where they believe they have your best interest in mind and that's maybe not everybody. There's definitely some assholes who are out there just being dicks because they think they're better than everybody. But even those people, like there's a reason that they're there in that position acting like that. And, and it's generally not because they want to do what the, 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 the uh, ruling elite class is, is hoping for, which is push us towards totalitarianism and giving them more power. They're just trying to go through life and, and just so happen to be thrust into the river of propaganda that eventually led them to believe that you were killing people with your breath. <laughs> it's like, how paranoid do you have to believe to be to believe that that's a reality? Right. And, and then I too, like at the beginning of the pandemic, right? Let's, let's take it the back step. Like at the beginning of the pandemic, I literally wanted my wife to go to the grocery store with gloves on. Like I, I was taking this seriously. I wasn't just like laughing at this stuff frivolously and, and giving it no merit. But before we knew what we knew, before we knew the PCR tests were being manipulated, before we knew that the, the numbers were being inflated with comorbidities, before we knew that they were th throwing people with COVID into nursing facilities in hopes of... Uh, leading to a higher death rate before we knew CNN came out with the, the, the bar on the side of it and, and admitted the literally the only reason they had the death count up on the CNN newscast was to instill fear in you because it drove more views. How gross, how disgusting, right? Before all of that, before we knew those things, I was scared too. And if you were following what was going on, you probably should have been also like if you I remember watching like worldcounter.org or something like that. And it just it had its own death count. And uh, I remember watching it before CNN and before everybody else really jumped onto it before it was this like big mass hysteria. I remember following it pretty closely and pretty seriously and, and to a point where when it was at its peak you know, to where we none of this information came out, I was scared for my family and 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 would have went to seemingly to somebody else irrational lengths to ensure that my family was was safe from these things. And so it, I could have very well been in that position too. And, and so to realize that it's not the individuals that are on the other side, it's not the general population, it's not the civilians that are out there. It's not the, it's the, it's those who are working the proverbial puppet Whatever. I wonder if there's a word for that. It's probably a good analogy to know the the thing you hold when you have a puppet, right? The puppet masters, right? The, we we know that those are the people who have ill intentions. Those are the people that we should be concerned about. Those are the people the masses should be talking about. They're the same people who stifled the anti-war uh, movement in the '70s because it's a machine. It's because it's all about money. And so when you realize that, you should not be looking at the, your neighbor with a Ukraine flag, which is pretty stupid, right, to be honest. Although I wonder how crazy it would be if I put up a Russia flag. <laughs> Do you imagine how quickly your house would get egged if you had a Russia flag up? I, I kind of do want to do that, though. Like literally just go in the middle of a city and have a sign that goes 
Russian lives matter and like see how many people get mad and yell at you without any reasoning as to it would be it would be an interesting interview and conversation to to get into with some people because I think you get very many people who are mad at you, none of which actually have a legitimate reason as to why. And of course, Russian lives do matter, right? You want to use that slogan? They do, right? And so it would it would cause mass hysteria though if you had a, a Russia flag on your house or you you went to the middle of the town square with a, a Russian lives matter poster. It would be a really interesting thought experiment to see people's reactions. Anyways, so the point of all that is that you know, don't don't demonize the individual, right? Realize that that individual could just have very well been you. And they just haven't had the same access to information or the same personality that you had to drive your search for the truth and took everything the oppressor told them at face value without questioning it or without really following up on it. And now there are some assholes for sure. There's absolutely some assholes who think that they're better than you, who generally put their I'm vaccinated flex picture on Facebook or whatever it is. But there's definitely some assholes out there. But majority of people who are on the other side of you just want to keep safe and 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 just are following the information of the individuals that they believe are worthy of them following and didn't have the the mind to second guess them and and to question them and to look up the information that opposes them and and to ask the right questions and look for the right information that may lead to you finding out what the real truth is I think that a lot of people just go straight to demonizing somebody and you shouldn't do that. You should, you should always be open to having a conversation. You should always be willing to look at the other side and, and put your hand across the fence and shake a hand and, and maybe ask them a little bit why, because that's the only way that we get to a point where things are positive again. And obviously we've seen that the, the point of all of this from their perspective is the diverse or the divisiveness that has come from these last few years. That is the point. That is the goal of all of this is divisiveness and at least a a portion of it. And if you realize that we're literally giving them what they want by demonizing people so quickly without question or without, without putting yourself in a position to actually engage in a real conversation with that person that may turn out to be very positive. It makes you question your your narrative too, because you should be open and willing to change your opinions too, right? If you, if you would expect that of somebody else, you should be on the same, the same side of that to, to allow that for yourself too. So on the backs of that, here is a video where we will watch about this, talking about people posting their vaccine on, uh, <laughs> on Facebook, flexing with their Band-Aid from the, the McDonald's they went to to get injected with an experimental drug. Here is an individual from Canada who, I believe it's from Canada, who said that there was an overall 40% increase in death rates in people from the ages of 19 to 40, specifically in the last year. And that is very terrifying statistic and one that we can't fake because they had to make life insurance payouts. So the accurate the information on this is completely accurate and cannot be fudged and 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 will not 
allow the mainstream narrative to position them, position the, the information in a way to where it's not showing the truth because these companies are being cost millions of dollars, millions and millions, hundreds of millions of dollars on the backs of these deaths of these young and healthy individuals who have died over the last several years. So they have the data and this is what the data says. No one is saying with any certainty, Jason, what is causing this, but we certainly would be remiss as scientists if we didn't look at that and say, there is something going on. What happened in 2021 that was so different from the previous five-year average that would cause this massive increase in certain medical conditions? So the, 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 the source of the information is several U.S. life insurance companies that have been reporting this, correct? And these three career physicians that you referred to. Well, there's, yes, they are separate groups of data. Jason, the previous study from the U.S. life insurance companies, many of them were reporting a 40 percent increase in deaths from all causes in the 18 to 49 year old group. They know that because these are life insurance companies that provide group life insurance policies to employers. So these are working age individuals with a 40% increase in all cause deaths. That was a different report from this bombshell that came out last week from, as I said, three career military physicians. And the question is what? What has changed in calendar year 2021 that is causing, number one, an increase in all-cause deaths, as reported by the life insurance companies, and an increase in certain medical conditions, such as heart attacks, blood clots to the lungs, congenital malformations of children born that year, female infertility, uh, and those sorts of things. Did these three career military physicians offer any type of speculation? They did not, and they, but they did not do this anonymously. They signed an affidavit on this. I have not seen the raw data. I'm not a military physician. I don't have access to that database, but I don't have any reason to believe at this juncture that the data is in question. These are, again, based on ICD codes. And it should I should make it clear because it's very easy to make statistics of these sorts deceptive. So when I say that there's a 300% increase, for example, in cancers is what they found, this wasn't an increase from one case to four cases. In the case of cancer, for example, it was an increase from an average, a five-year average, of 38,000 cases per year to almost 120,000 cases in calendar year 2021. And actually, wow. So that's that's pretty crazy and, and pretty alarming too, is, is the idea that, that it's not just a small margin, right? It's not like she said, it's not one person dying from cancer going to 100 people dying or even 50 or 30 or 10 it's 38,000 or whatever the number was going to 100,000, like a, a crazy, unbelievable, drastic dis difference in the last year for cancer deaths of the age of 19 to 40. Like how, what are the odds of that, right? What are the odds of that? And, and what changed in the, since 2020 
that made it like what is a medical large medical big rollout push of the medical industrial complex that has come out and and basically invited every single person not even just invited manipulated and and pressured and bullied young healthy individuals to get a vaccine that they didn't need to get a experimental mRNA drug put into their body that we know none of the effects of what absolutely that's a causation there like we I guess you can't exactly say causation until it's proven but it's a very very interesting correlation that like 40 percent overall deaths 19 to 40 and and when you think about that most deaths from 19 to 40 like i wonder what the actual statistics are on that like what is the average what are the most common deaths for younger individuals like most common reasons for death in in 19 to 40 years old. I, I think it would be interesting to see. And I bet you they're pretty closely associated with, you know, car accidents or drug overdoses or suicide or things like that. Like especially 19 to 40. That's a generally speaking a very healthy individual with no medical issues, right? No no ongoing issues at all for the like statistically speaking in that age bracket commonly and you have a 40% overall increase in death, that's terrifying, terrifying. And, and, and how can anybody try to diminish that? And, and they all will, right? The, that there's going to be a, a big push for, for these life insurance companies to keep their mouth shut. And I wouldn't be surprised if there was a, a, a payout to these life insurance companies where the government has to come to them and behind a closed door say that, we know you had to pay hundreds because the, the life insurance industry is 100% the one that will take the brunt of these large scale deaths of young, healthy individuals because they didn't take into consideration when they were doing their underwriting, the fact that everybody was going to get bullied into taking an experimental drug that we knew none of the side effects. I'm surprised the life insurance companies weren't shouting from the rooftops and in, in, in funding anti campaigns over this stuff because they are the ones who are going to to have to monetarily deal with the outcome of, of, of this pandemic from the perspective of, uh, of the vaccinations and the 40% increase in, in overall deaths of 19 to 40 year olds, right? They are the ones who are gonna have to deal with this. I'm surprised they haven't spoken out before this and, and, and made people second guess whether or not they, they may want to put, put these things in, in their bodies, right? And so I, I don't know how anybody is willing to, 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 to like, they're still pushing this, right? Like, you, you, I think they've kind of accepted now that if you're not getting or you haven't gotten it to this point that you're probably not going to get it. <laughs> like, if McDonald's free burgers and uh, a $100 gift card to, uh, I don't know, Burger King didn't do it for you, <laughs> I guess nothing will because they've really given up on the vaccine push. I haven't been told to get a vaccine from the radio in, in at least a few weeks. But, but it has to make you wonder why. why. Why are these individuals at such a young, healthy age dying at such high, alarming rates? And why is nobody sounding the alarm on this? Like, I, I really have to go back and I want to look at these statistics for myself and see 
because that just seems so terrifying. If there was like, if there is a pandemic, it's the 40%, whatever is causing 40% more people to die in the ages of 19 to 40. And there is one, right? There is a reason for this. And now we're seeing the result of that being from not the, like, if you didn't know this, John McAfee, the antivirus guy that mysteriously died in the last two years in his apartment in Miami, he basically admitted to the fact that at the beginning of the computer age, they would basically make viruses and then come out with the antivirus software. So they would infect a bunch of people's computers because they were a bunch of nerds in garages and they would infect your computer and they would have ransomware and viruses and, and all of this crazy stuff. And then they would come out with a solution and then they'd charge you for it. Right. And, and, and so they could exactly target the people that they knew had it. It was like this crazy money-making scheme that he made billions off of. And John McAfee's a crazy dude. He's all like really interesting conversations. He did a a podcast, I uh, believe, with, gosh, who was it? It wasn't Joe Rogan, was it? John McAfee podcast. I'm sure you'll find it if you if you look it on your end too. But he, he did a big podcast and, and talked about his crazy, crazy life. There's a documentary called Gringo, The Dangerous Life of John McAfee. But I am fairly positive he did a very big podcast. I, I don't know if it was Joe Rogan, but but it was something like that where he spoke out on, yeah, he did episode 290, John McAfee on Joe Rogan. And it's on Spotify right now. And, and it allows John McAfee just to go into some crazy detail on some of these things in his life. And you hear that he's like, a, he's just a wild dude, but he would basically create these viruses and then profit off of coming out with a solution. Right. And, and so now, you see the effects of that, and we see that, that what is actually going to come of that, and, and we're seeing that very quickly. If we're seeing a 40% increase in deaths in the ages of 19 to 40 now, what are we going to be seeing in 10 years from now? What is the percentage uptick going to be in, in 20 years from now, in 50 years from now, when these individuals who are 19, 25, 30 today are in their 70s and 80s and have had this, whatever it is, and some think it's snake venom as a little... Uh, teaser for the what watch the water here but some some people think it's some crazy stuff and 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 what are the effects of that going to be long term right where where are the statistics going to go from here if it's already at 40 percent and that is super extremely alarming i know i have had experiences with more people in my life suffering from heart conditions than i've ever seen and so it, it's it's very concerning so the next thing that i'm going to pull up for you here is going to be the Netflix situation. So Netflix stock plunged 37% and it's open and it's open today as it heads for its biggest drop in a decade. So Netflix stock plunged 37% on open as it heads for the biggest drop in a decade. Now it also goes on to say that the streaming giant is set to lose 50 billion billion dollars in value after shedding 200,000 subscribers in the first quarter as viewers complain there's quote nothing to watch at least nothing that doesn't have to do with grooming your children or but we'll, we'll talk about that in a minute here so it goes on to talk about their reasons of what they believe it is the reasoning behind all of this and so a lot of people have attributed this to the woke agenda of Netflix and, and even one of those individuals was Elon Musk himself Iron Man. <laughs> I think we should normalize calling Elon Musk Iron Man. He's the Tony Stark of the modern era. Um, 
So Elon Musk tweeted on April 20th at 3.10 a.m. Wow, what a G. The woke mind virus is making Netflix unwatchable. There's literally a show about a man believing he can get pregnant and some girl behind him holding his beer belly. If you think that's the type of content that the general public wants to see is the same shit that you're pushing in Silicon Valley to your employees that they eat up because you have bananas in the, in the break room <laughs> and a knapsack in the, in the back office for them to sleep in and you're this cool woke place. Like if you think that's what the general population is, you're dead wrong. And you will see that when 30% of your stock drops after pushing woke agendas and, and pregnant men and small children twerking in, in cuties and all of this bullshit on top of just having shitty content. Like Netflix hasn't had bangers in like a while. The only thing that's worth watching on Netflix is Ozark. And besides that, which comes out next week if you're watching this in real time, <laughs> which is a great show. But they just have garbage content. I literally can't think of three or five shows that I would watch on Netflix right now. I, I see literally no reason why anybody should have a Netflix subscription unless they're watching a single show and then dropping the subscription. Somebody responded to that, Pranay Pathole, who said, Woke Mind Virus is the biggest threat to the civilization. Wow, I said civilization weird. To the civilization. And Elon Musk said, yes. Somebody else said, which is Niche Gamer, said, not just Netflix, movies in general, video games, TV. It's all infested with current year trend woke garbage for fear offending a green-haired freak next to the ban button. Nothing original anymore at all, except the media coming out of places like Japan or Korea, ironically. Hmm, that's interesting. And Elon Musk said, true. This shows the he's expecting video. So a new Netflix show <laughs> says he's expecting depicts a man who becomes pregnant with some viewers turning off at, it, at its woke programming. Yeah, that's not how that works, buddy. And like, there's literally, like, I've seen people Google this. I guess we should Google this too. Like, can men menstruate? Like, who can menstruate? Let's see what Google has to say about that. <laughs> this is literally a thing. It says, having a period. This is the first thing that comes up on Google when you search who can menstruate? Having a period is not a feminine thing. And people of all genders menstruate, including non-binary people, agender people, and even plenty of men. Menstruation doesn't change anything about your gender. It's just something that bodies do. Excuse me, where am I as a man going to menstruate from? Because if it's my ass, that's disgusting. And if it's my the thing on the front of me, my dick, and it's bleeding, and just a bunch of men are walking around with their dicks bleeding, I think that we would have people literally going into a panic. No, men cannot menstruate. Not one bit. We don't have a uterus that's shedding its lining. We, we do not bleed from our penis or our butts for that matter. It is not a thing. You cannot hold a child because you do not have a uterus. You do not have eggs to fertilize and you cannot menstruate because your uterus that you don't have is not shedding its lining. Sorry. No Google. No transhub.org. Menstruating is not something that bodies do. It is something that happens to females because they're a female. 
because of their chromosomes, because they're able to bear children, which this man from this Netflix show is not able to do. Sorry to tell you. So I am could not be more happy to see that Netflix's stock is dropping as a result of this. I could not be more happy to see that Disney is taking the brunt of this woke agenda too. And I think they're next up on the list. I really do think that uh, Disney is going to be the next person who who has to deal with the the wokeness that they have turned their business into and the results that are going to come from that. So now the next thing we're going to look at is going to be the what's in the water documentary. I do think that this is a very, I think that this is a very important conversation to have. I do think that there's some questions that I have too. And I, I do believe that there's some interesting information in here and there's some very compelling arguments and, and I'm not going to discount it, but I also have some questions and I also have some concerns. So if you've watched Watch the Water, we're just going to watch a, a couple minutes of the intro and then we're going to discuss it. If you have not watched it, you should go watch it right now. You can go to Rumble and just type in Watch the Water, which I'm doing at the moment, and you can pull it right up and watch it. It's, it's, it's quite unbelievable to me that this is, I mean, there's enough people watching it to where it is circulating but it's not a mainstream conversation and there's enough evidence and enough things that are brought up here that are very interesting and very compelling. And if you watch it, if you're somebody who is very, very mindful of the information that you watch, it's, it's, if nothing else, it's very entertaining in its approach. So I, I would recommend just giving it a shot. And, and if nothing else, it's a 45 minutes of your time and, and you may learn something and, and maybe you have some good entertainment as a result. So let's go ahead and I will pull up this right now and uh, we will watch this together at least the first couple minutes of it. And then we will discuss it because I think there's a really interesting conversation to be had surrounding this. So here we go. We are good to go. So earlier this month, a lot of you may remember a post that I made on my Telegram channel. There was a lot of concern about the water and not to drink it, and there were certain things that I could say and could not say, and I referenced that certain people's lives might be at risk, and one of those people is here with me now, Dr. Brian Artis, thanks a lot for being here. I do really appreciate the opportunity to do this. Yeah, this is actually gonna be the only time I've ever been nervous in any interview. I'm not kidding, like, I've never been nervous to discuss anything in relationship to the COVID pandemic whatsoever, but this has bothered me and has scared me. Putting things out is probably oftentimes the best way to protect yourself. But people have lost their lives over what you're about to tell the world. I have to get this off my chest. My spirit's like screaming to say something and bring it to the forefront to protect as many innocent lives as possible. That's all I've been trying to do since May of 2020. As you know, when I read Anthony Fauci's memo on remdesivir, yeah. when I actually just hyperlinked clicked the links to the studies that he was quoting saying that remdesivir was safe and effective, I knew right away that he was lying. I knew right away that this drug was going to be used to mass murder a whole bunch of innocent people in America that did not need to die. Then he was going to sell the world on the idea in the media that they were dying of a virus when in fact I knew they were being poisoned to death with this drug. I knew 30% of all people were going to experience multiple organ failure, kidney failure, septic shock, and hypotension. That's what the studies said. Now we're a year and a half after that. And it's exactly the numbers that I said based on those studies. I'm pretty much called the remdesivir guy everywhere I go, which is odd for a retired chiropractor to be referenced as a pharmaceutical guy. 
But it is true, remdesivir is a very toxic, deadly drug. There are a lot of medical doctors and professionals who will mention it that as it's just proven to be ineffective. It is not ineffective. It is very toxic and deadly. It is known and proven to actually injure specific organs in your body. It targets specific organs. This is a part of why I think my spirit is so moved to make sure this gets out. Is that... Uh, January <clears throat> January 21st of this year so just two months ago uh, the FDA decided to authorize remdesivir as the only drug to be authorized to be used in all newborns in this country I can't, I cannot even fathom the men or women in charge that would actually do that. So it's now been moved since January 21st of 2022. It's been moved out of hospitals as the only drug to be used, only allowed in hospitals this entire pandemic. Now they're moving it into in and out of hospital care for children as young as newborns seven pounds heavy through the 18 year pediatric age range. It's the only authorized drug. There is nothing else that they're allowing for COVID-19 treatment. And I find that incredibly evil. And then they've also now canceled monoclonal antibody uses throughout the United States and all U.S. territories for COVID-19 early treatment. And they're moving remdesivir infusion centers where they were using monoclonal antibodies as the only IV infusion drug allowed. I have been moved with one singular purpose since May of 2020. When I read Anthony Fauci's memo about remdesivir, I felt this spark inside of me that I now had to go voice to the world a warning to try to protect as many innocent lives as possible from being killed. So let's talk about what happened. It all started with a text. There's a medical doctor that I admire and love because he is nonstop from the beginning of COVID, uh, has had the ability to project information and say to people around the world, you do not have to fear COVID. We have an answer. This guy has been on many stages with me. He still practices right now. So one thing that I think he said there that is uh, compelling is the conversation around remdesivir. So remdesivir was the one that they've actually pushed and allowed in hospitals. And there's a big push from this conversation where he believes that remdesivir is being utilized to actually do the deed at the end of the COVID situations where people are dying and that it's the kind of the final situation of what, what's been. And then so where, where we go deeper into this conversation with what's in the water is he actually discusses what he believes is water treatment plants that are being utilized to disseminate, I believe, the virus, where he actually talks about the fact that he believes that within these water treatment facilities, they are tainting the water with what he believes based on the information. So this is where it gets a little crazy is where he talks about Everybody talks about the Wuhan, Wuhan bat situation. And if at the very beginning, you mentioned anything about the bats, you get hit with a big 
a big a misinformation sticker on there. And, and, and now the only one where you get a misinformation sticker is if you actually Google anything or post anything about snakes and COVID. And he ties a bunch of data into the idea that it is not a virus. It is not viral in nature. It is a venom. And the snake venom was disseminated through the water and, and finished off through the remdesivir, which would also included the snake venom of a king cobra and of a crate, I believe, is the other poisonous uh, snake that he gets into. And so it turns out to be a crazy, crazy connecting of dots. And we'll watch a few more minutes of this here and, and discuss a little bit more about it. But I, I recommend watching the entire thing. So I, I do think that's very important to do. Let me go ahead and take a look and, and see if we can find some compelling parts of this conversation surrounding the water and surrounding remdesivir and the snake venom, because I, I think it's an important conversation uh, to have. Let's, let's see if we can find it here. Give me, let's, let's watch it together. Gilead bought two facilities that deal with biological studies from Genentech in 2011 and then brought 55 of their executives into Gilead in 2011, just when that King Cobra study started. Gilead is the manufacturer of remdesivir. Guess what's been known since 2005 blocks the nicotine receptors in the brainstem being injured by cobra venom and viper venom. Guess what drug does that? Chloroquine. Hydroxychloroquine and chloroquine. Remdesivir packaged and stored as it is delivered to hospitals comes in a little glass vial. It's called lyophilized powder. It actually has a white to yellowish tint. Guess what color snake venom has when it's stored? Then to be diluted in sodium chloride or distilled water to be administered in an IV. Or if people are buying King Cobra venom lyophilized, they mix it in the same preparation as listed on the fact sheet for remdesivir to actually take Cobra venom or any other viper venom and inject it into horses to make monoclonal antibodies. When you read the emergency use authorization for remdesivir, it states, this one from January 21st, that every practitioner who administers this to a COVID patient, pediatric or not, you have to evaluate for what's called prothrombin time. Prothrombin time means if it increases the prothrombin time, it means it's taking your blood's ability to coagulate and making it longer. So it thins your blood, you can't clot. Right. You will internally bleed to death. With remdesivir, it is stated on the emergency use authorization, every patient has to have its prothrombin time checked before you give it remdesivir and during treatment. Do you know what, do you know what King Cobra venom does to the blood? It makes it so that it can't clot. It makes it so it can't clot. One of the evidences is it's prothrombin time. And if you look at the CDC's website and the NIH's website on the adverse events from remdesivir called Veclery. 
it actually, it actually says it increases prothrombin time, which is exactly what King Cobra Venom does to the human body. And remdesivir is lyophilized peptides, proteins of King Cobra Venom. The University of Arizona published uh, last summer a paper when they actually evaluated the blood samples and tissues of people who died, hundreds of them, from two different hospitals, after being treated for COVID, which means they got what drug? Remdesivir. When they evaluated their blood, the title of their published article is Welcome back. Why do some people seemingly perfectly healthy die from COVID and others don't? It's a question baffling experts during this pandemic. That sure is. And new research from the University of Arizona suggests we're closer to getting an answer. As Team 12's Jess Winters explains, it seems to boil down to an enzyme that's also found in rattlesnake venom. What does this rattlesnake have to do with COVID-19 deaths? We turned much of my research in my lab towards COVID a year and a half ago. Chilton says he got blood samples from more than 100 patients in a New York ICU. They either had no COVID, a mild, moderate, or severe case of the virus. He did some fancy schmancy artificial intelligence in his lab and discovered two distinct patterns in the people who were dying from COVID. These patterns, number one, told us that the, the, the Vital organs were in trouble, but the other looked as if they were being attacked by some enzyme. He says he then found the highest concentration of this enzyme that has ever been found in humans. These levels attacking internal organs means multiple organ failure and death. So where do the rattlesnakes come into play? This enzyme is a humanized version, part of the same family, as the active ingredient in snake venom. In simple terms, this enzyme related to rattlesnake venom that's been found in humans is likely causing tremendous damage, leading to COVID-19 deaths. And then they take you through all of the elevated enzymes in the blood samples of these people that are naturally found in rattlesnake venom and viper venom that are in levels they've never seen before. Do you wanna know how they got there? Five to 10 days of remdesivir? They've known since 2005, if you inject a mouse with cobra venom, you inject it like they're doing with remdesivir, injecting it into your veins. It actually causes a cytokine storm in the lungs of all animals. I am convinced that COVID-19 is not a respiratory virus of any kind. It is actually venom poisoning. And they're using, I believe, synthesized peptides and proteins from venoms of snakes and they're administering them and targeting them to certain people. Now, the amazing thing about these 19 toxins found in cobra venom, they're specifically sequenced to target specific organs. Wow. So I think I, I had to let that go for a little bit extra than I expected to because I think it's such a compelling argument and, and it's such an interesting correlation. And he's not the only one saying this. Right. And, and my reservation with the watch the water documentary is that this chiropractor goes by doctor. <laughs> I guess that's probably my leading reservation regarding the possibility of truth in this. I, I think it's a uh, 
I don't trust any chiropractor who considers themselves doctor in an interview. <laughs> if you understand that they go, they can go through two years of schooling and become doctor compared to what an actual doctor does. And the only reason they did that is because back in, what was it, like the 40s, they lobbied, 40s and 50s, they lobbied the association to allow them to use the word doctor to legitimize the chiropractic practice, which was started with a seance of ghosts if you don't know anything about that the chiropractic situation is crazy like chiropractors literally like the very first person that came out with chiropractic did it because he had some type of ghost seance and this ghost came to him and spoke to him and, and, and told him that he could cure deafness and blindness and all of the diseases of the body by manipulating the joints and he claimed to have cured a child's deafness and all of the crazy beliefs that that the the, the lore that comes with the original chiropractic. And that's not to say that chiropractic doesn't do good stuff, but, but so does a foam roller. <laughs> uh, and I, I, I think that it's, I, I don't know, that's a personal bias. I, and if you're a chiropractor and you're listening to this, I appreciate you and your business. And I'm sure you do plenty of great things. It's all jokes, kind of. But it's serious. It came from a wish seance. And, and then the, the son of the man who started chiropractic also basically ran over his father for cheating or for for sleeping with his girlfriend <laughs> it's a crazy it's a crazy a series of events but all in all i don't trust chiropractors and <laughs> at least ones that go on tv and so happen to have a bottle of the the solution to the problems that they say there are which this man does on his website um i don't know but that's my only reservation. And besides that, it's a very logical, seemingly argument. And there's news stations that have articles that are out and just like we listened to that confirm this situation. And, and he's not the only one saying these things. And he's just kind of connected a lot of the dots. Now, the next conversation that becomes quite interesting is the conversation around the water, which he believes is being used to disseminate this venom in a way that it is targeting specific communities at a singular time. And I don't want to waste your time by sifting through all of this data, but I really, or this, this video, but I really do think that you should go watch this documentary. I really do think that there's a, a lot of important information and conversations that should be had, but I do think that there's a part here where we can watch it that does have to do with the water. So let me go ahead and start this for you, and we'll talk about the water situation briefly. And then I'll let you actually go and watch this on your own, because I think it's such, a, such an important conversation to, to at least thought, thought experiment, right? If nothing else, take this into consideration and think about it. And if you think it's all bullshit, then go with that. But at least you, you heard him out, because I think a lot of people are, are quite concerned about this being a real possibility right now. Saw this, I knew. I knew I was right. I knew I was supposed to see that, because it was confirmation to me that other people knew this was planned all along, right. which we've known this is a plan. Yes. The FBI figures out that it's actually peptides found in crate venom that poisoned Reddington. In the show, you learn that he was poisoned by drinking. It was put in his drink. And then I realized something. I realized how they've been spreading this. This is a video of somebody putting a test strip underneath their sink 
faucet to see if it tests positive for the snake venom. I've actually told my wife six months prior to this that it's very odd when you go on the CDC's website that they have this wastewater surveillance tab on the COVID data tracker site. Yeah. And they have 400 water testing sites in 37 cities in this country. What no one knows is the data from the CDC between January of 2020 and September of 2020 in relationship to their water testing of these 37 cities. They only let people know they were doing it in September of 2020 and now are releasing that data. They now just announced two weeks ago, Walensky did of the CDC, that they're now upping their water testing. They say and have been reporting to media outlets that how it works is they are PCR testing our wastewater because we, as we get COVID-19, are pooping it in the water and we're gonna test our wastewater and we can tell a city when there's high amounts of SARS-CoV-2 in the water, they can actually tell that same community four or five days later is gonna be an outbreak of COVID-19 in that city. Wait a minute. That's backwards. That is completely backwards. If, if a community has had SARS-CoV-2 go through their body, right. they already had their symptoms. When they eliminated the virus, supposedly the virus, out of their body and it ends up in your wastewater, you no longer have symptoms. Right. How could you know and then be able to confirm in the future, four to five days from now, when we find it in your wastewater supply from your city, when we see it being shed in your water, four to five days later, we can actually tell you there's gonna be an outbreak in your city. It's not because there's an outbreak in that city, just like in the show Blacklist. I had to break this down for every aspect of COVID. One thing that's been very unique to COVID is this sense of loss of taste and smell that lasts for months, yeah. even years. years. Holy cow, I had no idea. They already knew this did this to people. When you drink it, for the people who are the natural healers or the individuals who've got bitten, when they actually suck the venom of cobra into their mouth and then spit it out, they have this loss of taste and smell that can last 12 months, a year and a half. It's just from having it exposed in the mouth, which is exactly what's happening when it's being put into our water. Now, the thing about the water is this. They are using the water systems because they can target specific demographics. They are absolutely confident that the peptides they have chosen for COVID circulated throughout the earth and throughout the populace specifically targets and the vaccines and the mRNA in the vaccines specifically target organs like your spleen, your pancreas for diabetics, that's a concern, brain tissue, liver tissue, lung tissue, and heart tissue. So if you already have a disease... All right, so there is the water theory. <clears throat> now, I still don't believe there's enough evidence there for... for and, and maybe they go further into it, and I don't recall it from when the first time I listened to it. But I... I <clears throat> excuse me. For, for a, a documentary that's called Watch the Water, it seems to be... Should be called King Cobra <laughs> or something. Because they go very little detail into what that actually is about. Because if there was something they were disseminating through the water, I guess they're kind of... They're, they're basically saying like the connotation there is that because they're able to say that they're predicting where it's going to go, they're basically, I, I don't see the correlation between somebody putting a, a test within the waste 
and and then saying that there's going to be an outbreak in that city having to do with the fact that the water has been tainted with venom itself it doesn't correlate specifically for me there and i was hoping to hear it this time and maybe i just didn't go further far enough into it but that's all i remember them touching on when it comes to the water situation and i think that there should be a further investigation as to why he's saying that you should not be drinking the water right that's the the that's the statement that was made prior to this anyways is that you should be watching the water you shouldn't be drinking the water and <clears throat> if you do then you're somehow you know going to get covid as a result so i i would like them to go more into detail with that i i am not convinced that it's in the water i'm not convinced I, I, I get the correlations with the snake venom, and that makes a lot of sense with all of the, the weird symptoms that have gone on, especially when you point out the loss of taste and smell, which I experienced myself at one point when I had it and still experienced for months afterwards, which is so bizarre. But I, I just don't see enough of a conversation surrounding the water within this documentary to make a full statement like they're poisoning our water f facilities. I wish I did. Not I wish I did. I, I, I think if they call it Watch the Water, they should probably have gone into more detail on that. But I, I do think that you should go watch it and tell me if I'm wrong and let me know why they're calling it that and what they said here that makes that statement other than the fact that they're saying that they're pre... They're basically calling out who they're going to infect based on these water treatment facilities prior when actually it should be based on a reactionary state where the people in that area have covid and then shows that they have COVID and they already have the symptoms, not that there's going to be an outbreak from testing the water, but in testing the water, you're testing the fact that it is being poisoned. So maybe that's it. Are they saying that the CDC has these water testing facilities and they're showing that the water itself is being poisoned prior, then people are getting COVID. That's why they're able to call out who's going to get it and when based off of the water treatment facilities and testing that's as a result of that so i guess maybe that's it that that makes a lot more sense to me that that based on the fact that they are testing the water in the waste treatment facilities the water is what was tainted not the poop of the people who had covid um and as a result of that they're saying that there's going to be an outbreak and then there is one have they correctly identified that there's outbreaks i, I just have a lot of questions around the water situation so maybe you have some clarity and you can message me at red pill revolt or austin at redpillrevolution.co send me an email and let me know what you think because I, I really don't see the correlation there it doesn't make much sense to me why they would be telling you that it's in the water and, and then that's a, that's deeper than i've gone before where i it's makes a little bit of sense and maybe i'm just missing something in that in that statement where where it's it's very clear to other people but it just doesn't make any sense to me I, at least not enough to for me to not drink water <laughs> obviously you should have a have a uh, filter because it's just gross without it but anyways so there you have it that is the watch the water conversation and I, and, I, and I, there's obviously more that we could go into there and, and i would love to go into it and, and fact check this and and look at the statistics and really sit down with dr Mr. Chiropractor Artist and, and have these questions together and have a good conversation around it. I actually did reach out to see if I could have him on. So we'll see if that happens. But very, very interesting conversation. Go watch that documentary. Let me know what you think. Send me a message at Red Pill Revolt uh, on Instagram and let me know. Um, 
Now, the very last conversation that we're going to have here is going to be on the Patreon. So you got it, man. If, you, if you're listening right now, you will be able to catch the bonus content. The, what we do in basically every week is I go through Conspiracy Reddit and find my favorite conspiracies of the week, and we discuss them um, in the bonus content on the Patreon. The Patreon just costs $5. You get all the bonus content. You can listen to it there, video. You can also just download the RSS feed so you can get the bonus content directly to your podcast uh, platform that you utilize, which is awesome. So $5, Red Pill Revolt, um, Red Pill, uh, patreon.com slash Red Pill Revolt, and you will be able to sign up for $5 and get the bonus content. The things that we're going to discuss today, I'll just kind of give you a, a little brief preview here, is the reminder of that the whole idea of a personal carbon footprint was actually a targeted ad campaign by BP. We're also going to discuss the idea that, let's see. Oh, Julian Assange was ordered the extradition basically to the United States where he will face a 175 year sentence. And that is some of the conversations that we're going to have and maybe a couple more. So head over to the Patreon. $5 is all it costs you for the month. And you get four of these bonus contents every single time. There's also a Discord server. And then on the second level, that is the first level, which is the George Soros level. At the second level, the Royal Bloodline level, we will be doing a uh, stream once we get a few good uh, group people on there that will be a, an extra podcast every single week that is a live stream just like the one that you're watching here or listening to here surrounding user submitted topics and that's $15 a month so join that join me on patreon let's have a good conversation around these and if you're not going to that's okay too if you cannot afford the $5 I still appreciate you I'm glad you listened to this podcast and you are waking up to what is going on so leave a five-star review thank you so much for listening and welcome to the revolution. Thank you very much.